Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them to 2 Peter Today, we are finishing up our series, A New Normal. And in this series, we have together been looking at the new normal that God has been calling human beings to through Scripture. And so we did this uh, looking first week. We looked at Sabbath, that God is calling us into a pattern of working six days and resting, taking 24 hours to rest and to do the things that recharge us. Week two, we looked at waiting in the difficulty, looking at the silence and letting God take us and meet us in the midst of whatever is troubling us and moving us back into worship. And then week three, we looked at silence and solitude and what that has to teach us about growing into this new normal of taking some time to listen to God's voice. Now, week four became a two-part series. Many of you were expecting us to move right into the Sermon on the Mount this week, but that's okay. We are going to finish up this, and we'll start that next week. Week, the first week of uh, part four began talking about that we, the new normal is we are called to participation in the divine nature. Reading, We were reading Peter's last words to the churches that he pastored in what is now modern-day Turkey. And we saw that Jesus Christ's power gives you all you need for life. And a life of reverence, awe, and wonder that God is with you on this journey. And a life where you can experientially know the God who loves you and gave himself for you. Jesus has also fulfilled the great promises to send the Holy Spirit to live in us. Therefore, you, yes, you, can become a participant in the divine nature. And you, yes, you, even you, can escape the corruption that is in the world through evil or sinful desire. It's not that desire is bad, but desire can be used for sinful purposes. And it brings about a corrupting of who we are as humans. But thanks be to God, we can escape that because the Holy Spirit is living in us here and now. So today, I want to take us back to these last words of Peter to these churches in modern day Turkey. As we read 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll begin at verse 2. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that Through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faithfulness goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness. 
And to godliness, brotherly kindness, or mutual affection, most of your translations will say. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, they are nearsighted and blind, and they forget that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your, to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fail, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth, you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. When I was thinking about this passage and how I could share it with you all, especially those of you who are online, I wanted to make this really practical. I wanted to find a way that would really connect to to you and connect you to this passage. Because this is such a foundational and important teaching. In fact, Peter, as we just read, said he wants them to recall this long after he is gone. This is an important teaching. It was his last words, those things he wanted to say to those little churches and wants to say to us today. So I began thinking about some of the places that you all work. And I hope that this will help connect you to this passage in a way that will will just get it into your mind and something that you can take in your day-to-day life. So I want you to... Put on your thinking caps. Some of you are already thinking, but I want you to think about where you work. I got to thinking about where I know some of you work. Some of you work in manufacturing. So think about this for a second. If you work in manufacturing, you work around all the big machines that that do the work and you're there to oversee or maybe you have buttons to push or levers to pull uh, or a computer system to look over. Think about where you work in manufacturing. And I want to ask you this question. Do you or did you have to pay for the equipment that you use at work? My hunch is no, because it's like millions of dollars of equipment. Now, I know some of you work in hospitals. Same question. Did you have to pay for the x-ray machine, the sonogram machine, the, the MRI machine, Did you have to pay for all the needles and things that are necessary, all the scalpels and and, and those kinds of things? Did you have to pay for all of that? My hunch is, no, Uh, somebody else is going to pay for that. Some of you work in the food industry, at our restaurants and even fast food. Think about same question. Did you have to pay for the kitchen equipment? The giant stoves, the fridges, the counters, the machines, the tellers, all. Did you pay for that? To what? To, to go and work your job there? Probably not. 
Because if so, you'd probably still be paying and not receiving something. Some of us work in grocery stores or department stores. Same question. Did you have to pay for the shelving units, the cash registers, the food that was in there, the, the big refrigerated units and the freezers to get there? Did you have to pay for the food to be brought in at your job so that you could do your job? Probably not. Some of you, some of us have been in the military or are currently serving in the military. Did you have to buy the planes, the tanks, the weapons that you use to keep the nation safe? Well, I guess some of you might argue, yeah, my taxes do that. But but just go with me on this metaphor for just a second. You didn't. You didn't have to pay for all of those things. Now, even though the answer to those questions in whatever industry you work in is no, I assume it's no. Now, if you're in a small business... The answer might be a little different, but go with me on this, because I'm sure you've probably worked a job at some point where you use the equipment that was provided for you. If you work in these industries, you were provided everything that you needed to produce or do what your work was asking you to do or make or to heal someone. So the next question In all of these jobs that you have done or are currently doing, did it require some training or maybe even some schooling and then some practice on the machinery or on the computers or or flipping the burgers or working the cash register? Did you have to get some training and did you have to practice? Your answer is probably yes. You mean you weren't an expert the first time? I'm just joking. You probably had to be trained on the machine, on the stove, on the register, right? You had to get the feel for how things work and how they flow. You had to train. You had to go to school. You had to do an internship. You had to hone your skills in order to produce the product, heal the body, sell the product, cook the food, or protect a nation. And as you gave everything to learning how to do those things, over time, it becomes second nature, doesn't it? I mean, I remember when I worked a job where I I used a, a cash register. And after a while, it was like second nature. As people were ordering things, you could just, your fingers just knew where to go. It became second nature. This begins to get us into the heart of what Peter wants us to know as he's writing down these last words to these churches that we say are now in Turkey. Uh, Jesus provide, what he's wanting to say is that Jesus provides everything you need for life and for participation in the divine nature. We looked at that a few weeks ago. That means to be a part of the divine nature. It means that we get to love like Jesus loved. We get to forgive like Jesus forgives. We get to be merciful like Jesus is merciful. We get to speak the truth in compassionate ways that really hit the heart of people just like Jesus did without turning people away. And we can know God, experientially know God like Jesus did. The second part that we're going to spend our time on today is that you and I are also called just like at your jobs, to hone your skills in living out our calling in faithful ways. He has given us everything we need. Now, second part is our turn 
to take that and to hone those things so that we can more effectively, so it can become part of our nature, part of how we operate in this world. This is why Peter tells us in verse 5, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he lists off a lot of items. Now that might throw you a little bit. I thought Jesus provided everything. What can you add to everything? If you already have everything, what are you adding to it? I like the way the English Standard Version says this a little bit better. It says, make every effort to supplement your faith. A supplement is something that comes alongside and enhances what you have been given. But it still doesn't quite get at the heart of the word that Peter uses there that we translate uh, supplement or uh, add to. The Greek word there is the word epikoregain. I know you want to say that with me. It's epikoregain. Let's try that together all at once. One, two, three. Epikoregain. One more time. One, two, three, epikoregain. Now, what epikoregain comes from is the root word of koregos, which means the leader of a chorus. So someone who stands up and has a chorus, and there's a lot of moving parts that are a part of that. The leader of a chorus. It's the one who provides for the chorus. Everything that he needs, when somebody is that person, they're called a corrigane, an epicorrigane. And a corrigane came to be synonymous for one who was generous and gave whatever was needed for success. You see, back in, in the days before they had movies and stuff, the, the Greeks developed plays and cities would put these on and those plays needed a chorus. And the Corrigan would be the person who provided all the costumes, who paid for the people to be off their whatever their job was so that they could become a part of the chorus. And so it began to be this item, this idea that that person had to be very generous. And so Epicorrigan, bring everything with generosity and lavishness. Bring that to your faithful living. Peter is saying, since Jesus has given you everything you need for life filled with the Holy Spirit, make every effort to epicorrigain, to lavishly equip your lives with all that is necessary to live faithful to the one who gave you all that you need. Epicorrigain. We're called to bring all of who we are, to think generously and lavishly as we look to live out this life faithfully. And then after he uses that word and encourages us, make every effort to epicorrigain, to to do this with generosity and lavishness, to bring everything to this, he gives them a list. And let's be honest, it sounds like a bunch of religious words. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. I mean, how many of you have even used those words in the last few weeks? If you are not a follower of Jesus or you've been burned by a very legalistic or controlling church before, this list may bring up some questions or or even some bad or negative feelings. 
So right here at the beginning of the list, let me point out that the last thing on the list is the thing that all the others are pointing to. What is that last thing? Go ahead and look in your scriptures and you can see. That last thing is love. Or actually the Greek word is agape. It is a different kind of just love. It's not just the feel-good love when you look into the eyes of the one you're romantically attracted to. It is, agape is sacrificial love. It is the love that gives of itself for the other. William Barclay says it this way, The whole list must end in Christian love, agape, Not even mutual affection is enough. The Christian must end with love, which is as wide and inclusive as the love of God. The Christian must end by showing to all people the love which God has shown to them. That's where the list is pointing. That's where we're called to be generously and lavishly striving after after making every effort to get There in our lives of faith and faithfulness. So if we're going to take the everything that Jesus has given us and bring every effort to lavishly, wholeheartedly participate in the divine nature in order to faithfully live a life of sacrificial love, it's going to take some things. And that brings us back to the beginning of our list. The first one is translated goodness. It is the Greek word arete. It's an easy word to say, so let's say that together just once. One, two, three, arete. And arete actually has two meanings. Some of your Bibles will treat it as, uh, will, will translate it as virtue, but it really has the idea of two things. Excellence and courage. To learn to love like Jesus will require our best effort. I mean, think about how Jesus loved. He gave his life for us. To be able to have that become part of our second nature is going to carry and and it's going to bring up our best efforts. It's going to bring up excellence. And it requires courage to face living a life of that kind of love. Because that kind of love is even extended to our enemies and those who would seek to do us harm. Remember, the love that Jesus showed prayed for those who were killing Him as they were killing Him. He took even their sin and hatred on Him in order that they might be forgiven and healed. Brother and sister, to express that kind of love in my day-to-day life is going to take making every effort filled with excellence and courage. It's going to take a rete to live into that. That's going to take a lot. So if we are going to take the everything that Jesus has given us and bring every effort to lavishly, wholeheartedly participate in the divine nature in order to faithfully live a life of sacrificial love, it will take erete, excellent and courage, and it will also take gnosis. Or in your Bibles, it's translated knowledge. And we're not going to spend a lot of time here because we've covered this word a few times in the last few weeks. 
It's not only it's not know about Jesus, but it is experiential knowledge. It is firsthand knowledge. It is being in the presence of Jesus, that kind of knowing. Only in experiencing the love of God in Christ Jesus will you ever learn to express that love courageously and with excellence. So if we are going to take the everything that Jesus has given us and bring every effort to lavishly, wholeheartedly participate in the divine nature in order to faithfully live a life of sacrificial love, it will take arete, it will take gnosis, and it will take egkratea. Egkratea. You want to say that with me. Egkratea. Ready? One, two, three. Egkratea. It's translated in your Bibles as self-control. But I think if we were to put this in, into modern day language, we would say it's literally to get a grip on oneself. That's what it literally means. To get a grip on your own life. To get a grip on yourself. Letting God teach you self-control is one of the most loving things any of us could do for someone else. Think about that. I was trying to figure out how does self-control and love fit together? It's because when I get a grip on myself, on my, my weaknesses, on the areas that I need to grow, uh, on my strengths and on the things that I bring to this world, learning that and, and getting a grip on that, it's one of the most loving things that I could do for those who I live my life with and around. So think about that. It's not just about, you know, shaming yourself, slapping yourself on the wrist to, to control yourself. It's, it's about, I want to get a grip on who I am, on who God created me to be, because I want to love those around me. And sometimes that will be refraining from things, and sometimes it will be leaning in and, and doing the things that God calls me to do. Learning self-control will take the next thing on the list as well. And that is the word hupamone. You want to say that with me? One, two, three, hupamone. One more time. One, two, three, hupamone. Sometimes it's translated patience, endurance, steadfastness, or in the Old English, long-suffering. To experience any of these that we have listed will take trial and error and then getting back up to try again. That's the goal of hupomone, of that patience, of that long suffering, that I'm going to live everything into this with arete and, and, and with gnosis and, and with self-control. I want to, I want to bring all of those things up, but it's going to take doing it, and it's going to take doing it over again and over again. And sometimes I will fail, but Hupamone reminds me I am called to, again, get up and move on. And that will take courage, and that will take self-control. You see how this list builds on one another. Sometimes one of the things that kills Hupamone the most, that, that desire to get back up and keep going, is this understanding that, that God is looking down on us and He is upset with us when we blow it, when we, we mess up. I love how N.T. Wright talks about this. When he, he says, when I look at this, when I look at my grandchild who's learning to play an instrument, he says, you know, he's, he's trying and, and he's, he's blurting out those notes and sometimes they're good and a lot of times it's just really awful. But he's my grandson. And, and so he's trying 
And he's going to get better at it. And what I want to do is just encourage him to keep at it. And so the Holy Spirit will do the same for you. Hupamone, you will get up. Try again. Keep going. Apologize. Uh, repent if you need to. And continue moving forward. Next, we come to a word we saw in the last sermon, and that is the word Eusebia, or godliness. Eusebia literally means a life of awareness that God is for us, with us, and in us. And that leads to awe and wonder. Let me give that to you again. Eusebia literally means a life of awareness that God is for us, with us, and in us. And that leads to a life Filled with awe and wonder. This word is sometimes translated as piety. But this is not an I am better than you because I behave better than you type of word. It is more connected to an awareness in two directions. One direction is the awareness towards God. That God is with us, for us, and in us. And it is also an awareness that God calls you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Wow. I I love what Scott McKnight uh, in his in his book. um, I'm forgetting the title of his book, but what he decided to do. Uh, The Jesus Creed, that's it. What he decided to do is every morning before he put his feet on the floor, he was going to recite the two, the greatest commandment that Jesus gives us. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, before I lay my head on the pillow, every night I would sit on my bed and I would say it again. I am called to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and my neighbor as myself. It is in this idea that we have the the idea of Eusebia, that God is with me and I'm called to love God. My direction is, is to love God who is with me and for me and in me. And I am called to love my neighbor as myself. It's no wonder then that the next thing on the list is is the word philos. Uh, It is the word brotherly love or mutual affection. Everything on this list leads us to connection with God and to connection with other human beings. It leads us to consider the dignity of every human being, including the ones who look different, including the ones who act differently, including the ones who are differently abled, And including the ones that we would never, ever in a million years vote for. I'm sorry, that that, that hit close to home. You don't have to vote for him. But we are called to look with dignity at those who are human beings. We're called to remember that they are made in the image of God. And that's going to take courage and excellence. That is going to take a life connected to the experiential knowledge of Jesus who has given us everything. That is going to take a life filled with an awareness that God is with us. That is going to take looking and knowing that we are called in the direction of God out into our world to others. It will take mutual affection. This will take all that's on this list to learn to love like Jesus. 
I hope you're not discouraged by this. Remember, we have everything we need from Jesus. And we are now called to practice these things in our everyday life. And we are free to practice them. That God looks upon us as a father. He has that parental love. He has given you the instrument. He has given you the machinery. He has given you the Holy Spirit, what you need. And now He just loves to see you practice the love that He has shown to you. And Peter reassures us in verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your experiential knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, practice makes perfect. Or go back to our work metaphor. The more training and practice you get with the machines that you did not purchase, that were given to you, the more effective you will make that machine produce or heal or Do the things that you need it to do for your job. But there's also a warning that's there. If we don't lean into the training and if we don't practice these things, we will forget. Peter says we'll become nearsighted and blind, even blind to that the fact that our past sins have been forgiven. I don't know about you. I am nearsighted. I need these things. To see. And I'd give anything to not have to wear these. Or poke a contact in my eye. So I want to lean in and practice these things. So that, like Peter says, when we practice them and they're growing in us, they're becoming second nature. We can't help but be effective in knowing, experientially knowing, Jesus in our here and now everyday lives. So in other words, the old adage is true. Use it. Or what? Lose it. This is just a truth of life. And Peter wants to remind the church and us today, you have everything you need now. Use it. Lean into it. Make every effort. And let those around you see the love that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. So the question is today, going back to our work metaphor, If today was your evaluation, how would you score yourself on erete, on gnosis, on getting a grip on yourself, on Eusebia, an awareness of God that leads you into mutual affection and to love? How would you score yourself? Are you making every effort to use what Christ has given you in order to see the love that Jesus has for you given out to those others in your life? Do you need more practice with courage and self-control? I know I do. Have you given up instead of getting up to go again? God wants to see you get up. Maybe today is the day you start again. And I want to encourage you this week, or maybe even right now in these moments that we have together, to take that list with you and ask Jesus to take you through the list. Trust 
that he has given you everything that you need. And just allow him, go through that. And maybe you want to jot some things down of ways that he is saying you can practice this, or this is the way you can begin to see this become second nature. I hope that next time you go into your workplace and you begin to use that machine or use that computer or use that oven or use that cash register or you walk the aisles of the grocery and department store and see all the items there, that you will think about Peter's last words, that you have been given everything you need to help you do your job. And Jesus has given you everything you need to live as a participant in the here and now of the divine nature. That you can live in the here and now escaping from the corruption in the world that is caused by sinful desire. You can freely practice all of the items on that list with courage and excellence. And he will be smiling down as you learn to see this become second nature. As you experience his great presence in your everyday life. That is good news, my brothers and my sisters, my friends. Jesus has given you, yes you, even you, everything that you need. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we would be so remiss if we did not just talk about our gratitude and our gratefulness for all that you have given to us. You have given us everything we need. We are in awe that you would call us to become participants of the divine nature. We are completely blown away by the fact that that you would place the Holy Spirit in our lives, enabling us to escape the corruption of sinful desire. And today we have heard Peter's words of encouragement. And today is our day to really make every effort to generously and lavishly lean in and use what you have given us in our lives of faithfulness and faith. So teach us goodness. Teach us erete. Teach us courage and excellence. Teach us to get a grip on our lives. Teach us to practice again and again, to be patient as we live our lives. Teach us to be in awe of who you are and that you would call us to share the good news with others. Teach us mutual affection, but may it lead us, all of this lead us to agape, to the life and love that Jesus showed us, to sacrifice, to give of our own needs so that others can know your love. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. And we invite you to help us
practice with everything we are, whatever it is you would call us to in this life of faithfulness to you. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Would you stand wherever you are around the world and receive this blessing? And now, my friends, may you know that you have everything you need. May your minds be blown by the fact that God would call you to participate in the divine nature. I pray that you would begin again or begin for the first time to make every effort to be generous and lavish in your practice of goodness, faithfulness, self-control, mutual affection, and may it lead you to the sacrificial love of Jesus. I pray that you will experience the truth of these words. That as you practice this and see them grow, you will not be able to stop being effective in your experience of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I bless you and pray all of these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Be kind to one another. And I pray that God will lead you back to our services next week at the same time. God bless you as you go. Have a great, great week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. 